Welcome to Health Matters at Sargent College. The mission of Sargent College is to advance, preserve, disseminate, and apply knowledge in the health and rehabilitation sciences. BU's Sargent College strives to create an environment that fosters critical and innovative thinking to best serve the healthcare needs of society. Each episode of Health Matters at Sargent College will include faculty, students, or alumni who will share their knowledge with you. I'm Karen Jacobs, the Associate Dean of Digital Learning and Innovation at Sargent College, and I'll be your moderator for each episode. Welcome to this episode of Health Matters. It's a little bit of a, a unique approach because I am going to turn over the interview process to Megan, who is a doctoral student in our physical therapy department, and she's going to interview the guest today. So Megan, take it away. Thank you, Karen, and thank you so much for having me on this podcast. So like Karen said, my name is Megan. I'm completing my third year as a doctorate of PT student. Um, and I'm doing my capstone project on ableism and healthcare professionals, sort of addressing how it comes up in healthcare and what we can do to prevent it in the future. So today we're talking with Kara. Um, and Kara, you can go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Kara Jackman. I'm a, uh, a archivist and preservation librarian at the School of Theology Library. Um, I am also chair of Safe Buds, which is the um, faculty and staff community network for people with disabilities. Um, and that is a, a network that um, helps support people that are faculty or staff feel more seen that also have that are disabled or identify with that um, with that identity. Um, my disabilities um, are many and varied. Um, I was born with bilateral cleft lip and palate, which um, means that I had large breaks in the upper part of and the back of my throat uh, and the um, upper part of my mouth um, that went all the way up into my uh, nose. Um, and also, um, so that means, um, and I have breaks in, in my, in my face, just above my lips. I, um, had many surgeries somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 or 25 surgeries. Um, and, um, over the course of my lifetime, I am now 42 years old. Um, I currently have and wear he he uh, hearing aids, um, to help me hear. I also have um, a lot of um, trauma and mental health issues, um, and um, I continue to um, deal with those anxiety, PTSD, uh, specifically medically, um, PTSD, and um, you know stomach problems. So um, just a lot um, that goes on with my body um, and my mind um, that certainly qualify me to be. Uh, and to identify as a disabled person. Thank you so much for sharing your experience with us today, Kara. Um, so you already went into it a little bit, but 
you've identified yourself as a person with disability. Um, and I'd love to hear a little bit more about what that identification means to you. Um, identifying in that way means that um, for me anyway, it's empowering. Um, it means um, a lot of times my body makes me feel as though I'm out of control um, or that I'm less than um, and that, um, you know, I should be cast aside. But if I claim that identity um, for myself, I'm empowered by it. And um, for me, that means um, that I'm able to find accommodations that, I'm, that I create or I ask for in order to get the work done that I do every day or that, um, and it also means that I'm more compassionate to people that are going through difficult times or are exhibiting behavior that um, tells me they're going through difficult times with their body, with their mind and with their um, mental health and, and, and social, um, spiritual health as well. So um, it provides me with some compassion as well. Yeah, that's huge. And I'm, I'm sure it's uh, really meaningful for you to have control over that narrative as well. It is, it is. Um, a lot of times, especially growing up as a child with disabilities uh, and with a lot of medical interventions, numerous medical interventions and, and providers throughout my whole life, um, I, it, it does give me control where there was very little control. Great, thank you. Um, so next, I wanna get a little bit into what ableism means to you. Um, in talking with multiple people um, who are experts in disability, as well as people with different disabilities um, from various different backgrounds, um, I've kind of touched on how ableism can manifest itself in different ways. And in talking with one of the disability experts on campus, Chris Robinson, he suggested discussing the definition of ableism. And um, he presented me with this definition by Talia A. Lewis, an abolitionist community lawyer, educator, and organizer. So I'd love to read that definition. And then if you could share a little bit about where you might connect with that definition, where you might feel a disconnect, and just any thoughts that come up when you hear it. Um, so I'll go ahead and read it now. It goes as follows. A system that places value on people's bodies and minds based on societally constructed ideas of normality, intelligence, excellence, desirability, and productivity. These constructed ideas are deeply rooted in anti-Blackness, eugenics, misogyny, colonialism, imperialism, and capitalism. This form of systemic oppression leads to people in society determining who is valuable and worthy based on a person's language, appearance, religion, or their ability to satisfactorily produce, excel, and behave. And the last line is, you do not have to be disabled to experience ableism. So obviously that's a lot, but what are your first impressions of that? Um, my first impressions are um, that this is very real and it's very, very systemic and very probably endemic to how we behave. Um, yeah, definitely. Throughout our culture and throughout our um, 
of various um, systems that, that kind of control our lives. Um, really wanting to hone in though on that normality um, piece, um, seeing that word really always bothers me. Uh, mm -hmm. What I say about normal is that it's a drier setting. I'm sure that people out there have probably heard that before. Um, normal is a drier setting. It is not a standard <laughs> by which we should be judging um, the human or the, uh, a human being or the human condition um, because uh, everyone is, is so variable um, from, from person to person. Definitely. Um, as far as it, the ideas, as Talia says, constructed, rooted in anti-Blackness, eugenics, misogyny, colonialism, all of that is very true. Um, because, and we, we have history to back that up. Um, I don't you know, personally have experience as a cisgender um, white female with um, those, with the colonialism and the, the anti-Blackness and people of color piece, but I do see that play out. And we do see that play out, you know, we saw that play out really live and in a very gruesome way with George Floyd mm -hmm. um, in, in May of 2020. Um, so um, I do, do definitely think that that is an issue. And I think that medical providers of all stripes really need to be aware of like, like what their behavior is and, and why it's happening. And really, unfortunately, it's because of the systems. The systems need to change and then the people can change. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think what you mentioned about normal is very poignant, especially in healthcare, um, where we're exposed to like what the quote unquote normal is, and then um, how there can be so many different representations of the human body um, yeah. that yeah, we will we, be exposed to. Yeah, we talked about that um, when we spoke earlier. Um, I always give the example of um, with me, my my, my, my face and my nasal passages and my head, my ears, my throat, my nose, the whole construct of my upper, everything from the neck up is very different than what is reflected in a, um, a P, uh, anatomy image that would, would, you would see in a doctor's office or a PT office. Um, my anatomy doesn't reflect the drawing at all. Um, and so mm -hmm. that is something I've had to combat my entire life, and then even before you know, I was cognizant of it. My parents were battling that, um, so, and I, I continue to. You know, so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then, are there any other parts of the definition that really stand out to you? Something that like stood out to me personally was that you do not have to be disabled to experience ableism. Yeah, I, I, I did see that. And I, I, it is very true, though, we think about this, because the body flows in and out of different states. So if you're sick, you could be technically considered disabled. If you're pregnant, you could be, you know, considered disabled during that period of pregnancy. Um, so no, you, you know, it's such a, everything about disability is so variable and so, uh, dispersed. And so it is, that is such a true statement. That is such a true, um, true, uh, such a true statement. Um, and even if you don't 
you know, ableism itself is, again, it's a systemic issue. It affects us because of this, you know, we, we live in a capitalist society that is saying, do, 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 and achieve, 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 um, and not really, not really caring all that much for the body and the person, the whole person. Um, and I think those inequities were really made, made very clear and make very uh, obvious through the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Um, I started this project because I noticed that within physical therapy, a lot of our goals are set at reducing disability, whether that's somebody who identifies as being disabled or whether that's somebody who's recently had a rotator cuff injury and feels disabled in their like ability to do what they would normally go throughout their life doing. Um, and I think that's something that we need to be respectful of, understanding that there is a spectrum throughout your lifetime. Mm. Yeah, there really is. I mean, the body, you know, anyone could go out and get injured, you know, uh, go, go, whether it be through sports or um, uh, an accident on, you know, calm Ave, God forbid. Uh, but, you know, we're constantly in flux and we're like we're mortal beings and only we're only as good as 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 well as work we keep ourselves um and so yes it, the just assuming everyone is normal isn't really a great way to go about um living our lives to the fullest and certainly not a great way to um to be treating um, people in that that have varying needs um, from the medical perspective, from the medical provider perspective. Yeah, um, we want to see improvements. That's true, but you know, um, reassessing and constantly reestablishing what those goals are for each individual, I feel, is very important. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, do you have any other ideas around that definition that you'd like to touch on before moving on to the next question? Um, no, it's really interesting what they say about um, the ability to satisfactorily reproduce, excel, and behave. And behave is in quotation marks. Um, I'm interested in knowing more about what that means, but I think. I think that really kind of thankfully includes, and I'm extraordinarily grateful for this if it's true, um, the, uh, the mental health aspects of, um, of, of, uh, of, uh, of ableism that, or the mental health aspects of the human condition and the human body that we don't talk about a whole lot or enough of. Um, realizing that people may be, it may come off as anger, or may come off as acting out, but the truth of the matter is prob person is probably in pain um, mm -hmm. in some way, shape, or form. Or they, you know, or they have just kind of a neurodiversity about them. And, and so that that they're gonna be, you know, they're gonna um, engage with other people differently than um, than the another than another person would. And so being understanding, compassionate, and and loving. Um, as much as possible in those situations. 
Yeah, uh, I love what you said about being understanding and compassionate. Um, and that kind of leads into my next question. So um, I can get some of your experiences and listen to several other people within like disability studies, but I would also love to hear what you have to say directly to physical therapy students or occupational therapy students or anyone in healthcare that is looking to serve the disability community better. Um, I guess, let me rephrase my question. Are there any experiences that you feel like um, healthcare professionals should hear or any words of advice that you may have? Um, my, my words of advice are always to treat the whole person like a human being. Um, treat the whole person um, where they are and how they show up. Um, and treat them like you would a friend or some or a loved one. Um, I've had varying experiences from exceedingly good in that area to, um, to, to, to poor in that area. Um, I've also had, you know, experiences in the middle too. I believe I um, discussed with you a recent doctor's appointment um, with a PA that I had um, and um, a physician's assistant and uh, she had a really long 20 minute look at my throat, which doesn't look like a normal throat, I guess, or I, again, I don't wanna use normal, but it uh, doesn't, it looks like it's, it, my anatomy is different. My anatomy is, is my own and it's different. Um, and so she really wanted to take a very good look in there. And so she did and I got very concerned and I was very honest with her. I said, you know, are you looking? Because typically when people look for that long, that means I have to have surgery. She said, no, I just wanted to make sure that, that everything was okay with you. And so really making sure that you, you know, as a provider, whether you be a speech language pathologist or an OT, just really keeping those lines of communication open and prefacing what you're doing with some clear language that you know the person can either understand, whether that be verbal, written, or, you know, visual, um, to explain, you know, what the, you know, the, the appointment or the session or the encounter, if you will, will look like so that they understand that they're not in any danger or um, you're also, and that you're also taking into consideration um, their mental health um, and putting them at ease and not, um, you know, not making them worry or triggering uh, PTSD, uh, which is what happened in my case with that particular example. So. Yeah, I remember when we were talking, um, you mentioned that it's important for the provider to consider like a risk reward of like whether or not this um, procedure or um, exam technique is going to have a greater benefit for the patient or um, if you should understand that the patient might have some form of like a medical PTSD um, and understand what is going to be necessary to get this patient what they want and put that in their terms, not um, your own as a provider, making sure that this fits the patient's goals yeah. rather than reducing the disability. Yes, and I, uh, or triggering uh, a PTSD episode, 
Um, because for me, the outcome would have been the same, um, whether she looked at my throat for the 20 minutes that she looked at my throat or not, the outcome was going, going to be the same. It was going to be antibiotic treatment. And then it was which antibiotic. Um, so it, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't matter, you know, um, if, you know, if she had pulled back, but I did, it took me a long time to speak up for myself and do so in a kindly way. Because again, I was sick. I wasn't feeling great. Um, I'm quick to anger, so <laughs> I instead, you know, went the path of, of of crying a little bit and also being vulnerable in that moment and explaining to her uh, where I was and how I was feeling. And she was compassionate, and it it, it resolved itself quickly and well. But um, it was unnecessary. So. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't have to come to the point where you've been put through emotional distress to get that point across. So um, thank you so, so much for sharing that experience. I think it's really eye-opening for um, especially the able-bodied people who are listening who might not have experienced that and can um, develop a little bit more empathy for your experience. Um, Are there any final words that you'd like to say before we finish up here? No, I I just think, you know, being aware of of the mental health and and how people are coming in or being aware of like how they're feeling or what their body language may be telling you or what their face um, may be telling you that they may not be able to verbalize is so important. And again, just treating the whole person or the whole family, depending on you know what kind of um, treatment you're providing, um, is so 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 valuable and so important. Because more than anything, I think people with disabilities want to be seen, want to be understood, and want to be uh, cared for um, as a person, uh, not as a diagnosis, and not as an object of learning. Um, but a person that just so happens to have a, have a little bit of a few things that they need help with and they're coming to you for that help. So that is, that's pretty much what I, I have to say there. Great advice. And I'm sure there are people who are going to be listening um, who want to do better. And I think it's always great to have that reminder. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much for talking with me today, and I will pass it back to Karen. Well, thank you both. What an interesting discussion. And um, Megan, you did a great job being the moderator. And Kara, thank you for um, everything that you shared and for all the work that you're doing. Um, It was a pleasure having you on Health Matters. And if anyone wants to reach out to you, Kara. Is there a website or email that they can perhaps um, ask any other questions or comments? Yes, um, they can contact um, us at SafeBuds via email at safebuds at bu.edu. That's S-A-F-E-B-U-D-S at bu.edu. In addition, we have a we uh, have a website on the Office of Diversity and Inclusion, 
um, on their website. You can find the faculty and staff community network there. And we have a, um, a great Instagram where um, our handle is um, at BU underscore uh, SafeBuds and on Facebook as well. So thank you. Thank you both so much. And our listeners, thank you for listening to Health Matters. Thank you.